0: Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the A.V. Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick talk flicks. Rick and Nick are not here. They say it is too cold, so their stunt doubles, David Hoover, are going to fill in for them. Rick and Nick talk flicks. It's not as cold as it has been, Hoover, but... Oh, the movie theaters. People still going. Spider-Man still heating up. Might become the ultimate big-time movie of all time. I still haven't seen it, but I think pretty much all the spoilers are already out because nobody can keep their lips zipped these days.
1: I don't know anything. Did you so see it? I, I have not, no. but I hear I, it's fabulous. I, I hear it's terrific. I still need to see the first two okay. before I get to that point. I, I've i got to catch up on... on all the head-spinning stuff that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe to be able to to be ready to go and see this latest movie. But yeah, I've heard I've heard great things about it. By the way, speaking of Rick and Nick, I don't think there's any chance those guys are showing up for our 100th no, episode. No, not no. A, not a chance. It would it would be very on brand if they did not show up.
0: You know, even I forget that at some point one of them actually did come in. because I was looking for my shoes because he forgot his shoes. His his, his shoes. But uh, he came in and made a quick kill. Oh, there are my shoes, okay. That was all he ever did on the show. That was it. His yes. own show. Anyway, I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. We're and... sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. A great spot to go see Spidey, by the way. That's right. Still playing and a lot of other good ones. I love the Bemidji Theater. I've been up in the projection booth. That's cool up there, by the way. Yeah, I know. Lucky you. (laughs) You probably could. They have a great crew, great staff, great management, good food, good stuff, good shows. I still sometimes feel when I'm there like I am on vacation somewhere else, not Bemidji. (laughs) But you'll find it just off uh, between Bemidji and Wilton on Highway 2. Great spot to go see a show. And when all the big movies start coming out again... You better be there. And if you can't go to the theater, you're not feeling like you're up to it just yet. Pandemics are coming in. I completely understand. You can still support them, not necessarily by buying a ticket, but by getting your concessions there. I've gone and picked up all kinds of good candy and popcorn and goodies and then brought them back to the house and had movie night because they make more money from the snack bar than they do off the movie ticket prices. So support your local theaters, whatever that is. But we highly recommend the Bemidji Theater before we get into
1: today's topic we don't necessarily have much in the way of current news to get to Dave though current opinions has a request that he'd <laughs> like to share with everybody and yes it's also in the form of an opinion
0: stop with the spoilers you guys on social media now it's... we at least warn you all yeah it you guys have done well with Spider-Man for the most part. You guys have done really good with James Bond for the most part, but like Star Wars, Book of Boba Fett, if I don't watch that show the newest episode like immediately, every little nugget of awesome that just spilled out in the latest episode is all over social media and I don't just mean, you know, you know, ranker or somebody will put up some of the best things in this week's episode. I mean people I know cameos and actors and plot points, shut up with that stuff. Honest to God, you don't just finish the episode and then go put a big spoiler review. I can't believe so-and-so showed up. for. I don't know that that's coming. I'm just checking my Facebook feed and all of a sudden, ba-boom, spoiler wrecked. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. Tell everyone how much you liked the episode. Great. Let's not drop all the cool nuggets of information as if you need the badge to be the one to tell everybody. I don't need to be told. I want to watch it and see it and, oh, that's awesome, for myself. Stop that. I have a theory. Because it's
1: a TV show and because they are not at the end of this season of that show yet, do you think that it gives people this feeling that it's okay if I talk very freely and openly about this episode because it's just a link in a chain?
0: No. It doesn't matter what it is. If it was Game of Thrones and I told you who lives or dies, wouldn't you be norked off? It would be a problem to me, but
1: do you think that's why people do it, though? Like, I'm not saying it's okay, but do you think that's the
0: reason why perhaps it's a little bit different than when they go see a movie? I think there's a lot of reasons. I think people want to reach out to like-minded people and, oh, you're going to love when such and such happens. Then go to Reddit. That's great. Go talk to them specifically. you know, Or go talk with them. yeah, Yeah, but openly, we went and saw one of the Star Wars movies and quietly huddled in the lobby to talk about what we just saw. We didn't want to talk openly and spoil what people were about to go see. Wouldn't that nork you off if major plot points are being spilled in the lobby of the theater? Think of Facebook social media posts as the lobby of the theater. Shut up about that stuff. Plot points. Tell everybody you liked it or didn't like it. Keep the rest of it quiet. Why you liked it or disliked it. I love when this part happened. I can't believe the boat sank. Blah, bitty, blah. Stop that. Just keep it to yourself. And, you know, now everybody knows Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. We know that. We get that. But consider your audience. If you got a bunch of, you know, eight-year-olds, they might not have seen Star Wars yet. They're probably being introduced to it. You might want to zip your lips then, you know. But if you're just talking openly at Perkins... Fine. That's fine. Everybody at Perkins has probably seen it that cares to see it. But if the newest episode of Book of Boba Fett has just come out and they're going to go home after their pancakes at Perkins and go watch it and you're spilling everything about it, stop that. Did that Consider help? Consider who's nearby. Hey, you guys see Boba Fett? Not, you don't watch it? Okay, then talk freely. Oh, you're going to watch it tonight? Okay, we'll keep it quiet. Stop that. Just basic courtesy. Did that help, Dave? Did that help you a little bit, getting that off your chest? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Good. Maybe that's what it is. Get it off your chest. Stop that, too. Yeah. Talk to people. You you know what we're talking about? When I get together with friends, before anyone starts really talking about it, you guys all seen the latest, you guys see the new, and if people, no, but I'm going to, then people don't talk about it. That's the end of the conversation, or the conversation moves somewhere else, or whoever doesn't want to hear, they'll move somewhere else. Some kind of courtesy is enacted. But to just, I can't believe that blah 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 stop that. TV show or movie, it doesn't matter. Stop it.
1: <laughs> I think you've told everybody to stop at least a well, dozen you, times. Apparently, so they, people they just better get, get, the, get the, message.
0: the message. They better get the message You get a barrage now. of stop-its. Maybe then people will be. <laughs> I was going to tell everybody, but something made me stop it. I don't know what. Anyway, yeah. so I, stop that.
1: Yeah, I know there's an urge sometimes to share things, especially on social media, to share that info and to talk about it with people. But just as you said, Dave keep other people in mind when you're doing this or thinking about doing this,
0: and just don't. It's not news, people. It's not that you want to break the headlines. It's something to be unfolded for you. I don't. You don't want to be the kid that reads the last page of a mystery first. Don't do that, and don't read it to me either. So when such and such earth-shocking event happens in whatever show or movie... That's awesome. Let everybody else open their own Christmas presents. You don't need to do it for them. You are not movie CNN to tell everybody everything. Stop it. I think I have probably got my limit of stop. It's now we could turn this into a drink. I think so.
1: Yeah. Um, mm. Well, coffee. It's the morning. All right. On (laughs) we go. Now that you're feeling a little bit better, hopefully about things or at least being able to get that to get that off your chest.
0: Let's talk narrowly about history. And this is a podcast episode that might have spoilers in it. So like we said about stopping it, if there's a certain biopic or historical movie uh, that you haven't seen that you're interested in, we might have it come up today and we might be spoiling events. However, being as that we're talking biopics, real-life history, this is probably pretty much common knowledge just for the sake of world history or U.S. history or whatever. But still... Some people don't know who Abraham Lincoln was, maybe, like as a person. But we might have to talk about him a little bit.
1: It's possible. So,
0: not the Bill and Ted Abraham Lincoln. I'm pretty sure he didn't get into a phone booth and then go wreck a mall. That's a whole different version of history. But there might be spoilers forthcoming. So we're just letting you know in advance, unlike some of those trolls on my Facebook feed, there could be spoilers. We will not stop it. We've warned you. So,
1: biopics. Or is it biopics? You know, when I brought the topic to you, Dave, and I, I had this idea for what we were going to discuss today, I used
0: both trans
1: both, both both ways of describing it. I use I use both of the um, both of the pronunciations for it because it, it's one of those words, one of those phrases that maybe you have seen before, maybe you, the listener, have have seen or heard before, and gone, is that biopic? Is that Biopic. Maybe you kind of know what it is too. Maybe you're not really totally familiar on what a biopic even is. But but we had a we had a laugh about you know how you even pronounce it beforehand because you said you've seen both. I saw an article on Esquire that was adamant that it's biopic because it's a biographical picture. When it comes to the actual telling of the story, it's it's biographical. So even the pronunciation
0: raises some questions. There are many questions that are raised about what a biopic is. I think it's the same debate over which side the toilet paper should hang on the toilet paper roll. Should it be toward the wall or toward Honestly, I don't care. I don't think it really matters. I think it's either either. Oh, Tomato I think somehow. it matters with the toilet paper. I think it's soda or pop. It depends on your background. I I've, I've heard, you know, cinematic scholars use both interchangeably. Biopic, biopic Either, either, whichever you want to go with, you go with. And unless I'm you know, presented with empirical evidence that it is one over the other and not by an opinion, then I'll make a stand. But otherwise, I don't care. I don't think. It, I don't think it matters. You know what's cool though about biopics, Dave, is that we we've talked
1: about some film genres during various episodes. We've talked about ones that have maybe kind of gone by the wayside, though you don't see as much anymore, like westerns or ones that have been reworked or refashioned, like film noir. Biopics, biopics are making a comeback. Biopics, I don't think, are ever going to go away. They they are never going to go away. They've always been around, and I think they always will be because they're a chance to, on screen, tell the story of a person or a small group of people and to tell either the story of their life or the story of a chunk of their life and we're, we're always compelled uh, we're always fascinated and really compelled to to sort of see what this latest iteration of the telling of their life is and especially in a movie sense where it's not like a biography or or even their autobiography in book form where you're kind of, you're kind of getting it as it was you're you're getting all of it sort of as it was cinematically I think there is an expectation coming in that it's not maybe going to be completely, totally, fully as it happened and accurate in that sense because you're getting the Hollywood effect, quote-unquote, that's getting put on this. But boy, is it compelling storytelling. And you are getting some pieces that that truly did happen. Maybe you're not getting everything word-by-word unless they kept a recording of their life on hand, but you're getting quite a bit of their life, and you're getting it on screen in a very interesting story.
0: Yeah, it, it, there's there's a lot of different kind of biopics, and is this actually a biopic? Is it not a biopic? Take, for example, uh, just in the last few years, it seems like pop culture biopics have become a big thing. You had Freddie Mercury and Queen with Bohemian Rhapsody, and you had Elton John's Rocketman, while Freddie Mercury's was much more grounded in reality and it was presented pretty much as factual, it left major parts out. But Rocket Man was much more about Elton John's life. It shows him as a young boy and works him pretty much up to the current day. But it's almost presented like a fantasy where even Elton John had said, Look, this is a very accurate movie. How the way it's presented, however, all of it is true. I did do this but I didn't do it while doing this at the same time. That didn't quite happen. But spiritually, everything in this movie is true. And I get that. That's fine. Putting, you know, merging... Fifteen characters into one, just to make it easier to follow. I have zero problems with that. You can't cover everything if you're going to cover the life of a, of a person, because if they're fifty years old, you're going to cover fifty years in a two two and a half hour span. How do you do that? You have to kind of combine things or something to make it work in a narrative. That's fine, and that's the kind of thing that if you really really want to know the accurate story, read a book. You know, all of it will be presented in the book. Maybe linear, maybe non-linear. But that's the way it goes. So there are going to be adjustments, as you would expect. But then Hoove and I got chit-chatty about, and we'll talk a little bit more as we go through this, what constitutes a biopic, for example. And I brought up I'll, – I'll start with an example, and it's a character that's very accurate. but it's And it won an Oscar for this role, Helen Mirren playing Queen Elizabeth – In the movie called The Queen. And what the movie is really about is not Queen Elizabeth. It's about her dealing with the aftermath of the death of Princess Diana and realizing she and her monarchy might be a little bit out of step with the public culture. She did a great job in the role. She won an Oscar for the role. Even the Queen herself said she did a good job and invited Helen Mirren for lunch so the two queens could converse. But is it a biopic? You know, it is but it isn't. It's much more about the circumstances and the events and one person trying to narrate it. But it leaves out so much of her life. And when you're talking the Queen of England from birth on, is all relevant. I mean, how she came to power and she was the youngest monarchy, now she's the longest reigning monarchy in England anyway. A lot of major things left out. Really, this whole movie takes place over the course of a month. So yeah, it's a biopic of her reacting to stimulus around her during the course of a month, but is it a biopic? I'd say the ratio is much more historical event drama, less biopic. But can it be a biopic? Absolutely. And then there are others where it's all about the person and events that happened in history are more in the background, but it's much more about the person. So the debate can rage how much of a biopic it is, how much it isn't, but this historical person that was a real person and a great performance stands out because of dot, dot, dot. So we'll kind of sift through that as we go. And we're not going to disallow certain movies because we think it is or isn't a biopic, but because it contains a very good performance of a historical figure. Yeah, so we're going to kind of broaden it a little bit from I'm, where we're going. I'm sure there are people who
1: spend a lot more time in film theory than we do, who maybe have created more of a distinction of biopics sure. and have created a way to be able to categorize them because I think you could very easily split them into two different categories. One that is a bit more of a singular biopic where it's focusing on a very small section of this person's life but the person is still at the center of the story like for instance with your story about the queen and with that movie and that time frame the queen is at the center of the movie right you would say she
0: is she's the central she's the title character it's about her dealing with all this other stuff
1: yeah it's not like she's just a background character who's kind of like this this muse over it all. She's she's at the center of the story dealing with this event that's taking place. But then there's then there's more of a of a a wider sort of biopic. And I I'm still working on figuring out what the best word would be as far as being able to describe that where you are looking at a very large sweeping story of this person's life and looking at their life, pretty much from through the decades, from from their young upbringings to to maybe a certain point in their life, and you're looking at all of it and, and trying to cover as much of it as possible with the way that you are that you are telling that story. Like I, I think of Sergeant York, for example, where you see his his young upbringings and then how how his views. That he had shaped him into becoming who he was when he went into the military. You know, there's something that would be that would constitute more of a sweeping story, or like what you described with Rock and Man and Elton John's story. You're looking at a, a large swath of their life, and then so I, I think those two those two distinctions allow for both to be described as biopics, but under different categories and under different ways of looking at it.
0: Yeah, it's it kind of comes down to the ratio. So if you want to be downright absolutely accurate white gloves about it, BioPic has to have heavier emphasis on the person and it's about them and not an event. But we're the beer and nachos kind of movie guys. You know, we're, we'll 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 go with that ratio. I don't think I would pull out say um Oh, I think John Voight does an okay job as FDR, despite many inaccuracies. But it's just one character in the whole realm of Pearl Harbor movie, which is an all which is somewhat accurate, but not that accurate. And it's certainly not about FDR. Is that a biopic? No. It just happens to have a pretty decent done role of a historical character and a president of the United States. But it is not about him at all. He's just kind of there. So biopic? Absolutely not. The Queen? Yes. Rocketman? Yes. Bohemian Rhapsody? Yes, but with glaring uh, leave-outs and it's just about a 10-year period. You know, the Spencer movie for example, you talked about Princess Diana. It's pretty much over the course of a weekend. Is it a biopic? A snapshot biopic maybe, just here's the course of a weekend, but is it enough to be a biopic? I suppose. It certainly would count in that
1: singular kind of category yeah. that we talked about. That's where I would I would put a movie like that.
0: Yeah, but does it qualify? If you really want to get uptight about it, sure. If you just want to have a lively debate over lunch, sure, let the debate reign. But is it about a person or an event? Does it matter? Is it historically accurate and very centered around a person? Yes. Well, then it's a biopic. To what degree let the debate rage? So, let's let the debate rage, hoove. Absolutely. Yeah. So, with the biopics
1: as well, another question comes to mind that – that is sort of comes back to when you and I had our, our chat about historical movies. And that is okay. How much do you sort of doctor up the history here and the story for the making of the film? How much do you, how much do you play around with in terms of creative licensing here for the sake of the film? That's another huge question that comes with a biopic and you look at some of the some of these great ones in history like for instance my my all-time favorite movie is a biopic Lawrence of Arabia. It's telling the story of T.E. Lawrence's life during World War 1 with a small 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 portion at the very end of his life which actually is at the beginning of the movie. So you get this this telling of of his life and his story and yet you are working out of the facts. You're working out of the facts of how World War One played out, um, there in the Arabian theater and Lawrence and his life, and yet and yet there is there is certainly some licensing that is going on too when it comes to telling his story. There's some creative licensing that's going on about what his motivations were, you know, some of the themes of the movie. You know, you you even get some of the characters who are like composites. I, I believe um Sharif Ali, who is played by Omar Sharif, is a composite, I think, of of a few different uh, people who are around Lawrence um, and, and is maybe not necessarily a certain person from history, but maybe like a small composite of people. So, so how much do you creatively take license of then in a person's life and, and the telling of their story to make this movie? Because that is one of the most subjective things about biopics is how much you do that
0: yeah and I I think it depends on what we're getting creative with you can look at the sound of music it's kind of a biopic in a way not about one person but one family Georg and Maria von Trapp were real people but the movie and the story of the real life and what was shown on screen it was a musical for one yeah they did sing it wasn't quite like it was presented in the movie. and They escaped the Nazis by climbing. You know how they really got out of there? They got onto a train at the train station and that was it. That's not exactly a thrilling conclusion to a movie. So they came up with the whole thing hiding from the Nazis who wanted Captain Von Trapp to reenlist for World War II because he was a submariner. It's just, it's not really accurate. It's its not what I would call a biopic at all. It's a musical fantasy, and it's a fun and very entertaining movie. It's one of the best musical movies ever done. Is it a biopic? Is it even really all that historically accurate? Nope. I certainly wouldn't show it in school. But would I show Gladiator in school? Not that it's really a biopic. It's a biopic about a fictitious person that's kind of based on a couple of different people, but people in the background, like Commodus, for example, the you know the traitor traitorous Caesar who kills his own father, that's not exactly historically accurate, but the way that the culture is presented is very historically accurate. But that's, it's not a biopic. It's not a biopic, not exactly. Even close.
1: That's that's a historical movie and, and yet it's a it's a fictional telling within a historical time period that that you can that you can put specific you can put specific things into as far as like, yeah, that was at that time. Yeah, that person was in that time. And yet no, the the story is still a fictional one. It's about as
0: accurate that. as *Inglorious Bastards* to World War II as to what *Gladiator* is to you know Roman times. Yeah, there are things that are accurate, and then there's a whole no that didn't happen, and that's a big thing. Hitler wasn't blown up in a movie theater, and you know Commodus wasn't stabbed by a gladiator in the middle of his people. Now the whole you know Roman culture turned against him, basically cast him out, and murdered him too. But it didn't happen like it did in the movie, not even close. This whole rivalry with the gladiator, it, no such thing happened. But the culture, yes. The Inglorious Bastards culture with World War II and things behind the scenes and the underground, yeah, that was real. But you got to take into account the factuality also as far as how factual it is. Is it trying to combine things to make an easier narrative or or is it using actual history as a background and then coming up with a whole other line of stuff that did not happen. Yeah, but it's more entertaining this way. Well, then you got to start pulling out the is it is it not red pen and decide is it or is it not.
1: You know what's really true though, Dave, as I'm I'm looking at a list of some of the best biopics of all time. We want to be entertained. Yeah. When we go to the movies, we we want to be Entertained about the story that we see, and when it comes to when it comes to history-related movies, I think I'm becoming in in some ways more forgiving of movies that do seek that entertainment factor. Because if you want if you want the history, if you want the true historical telling of of this person's life, of of all that they're about. You can read all about it on Wikipedia. You can read all about it. Well, hopefully they're accurate as far as whoever has updated <laughs> Wikipedia. Sometimes. You can you can read all about it in their own words with their memoirs or with books that that are written about about that person. You can read their story. When we go to to the movies, I and I hope that people take this approach with historical films and with biopics in particular. We, we are going there to be entertained. We're going there to, to enjoy a good story. But hopefully it will prompt us reading more about whatever that story was that we just saw. For instance, here's, here's a biopic from just a few years ago, Ford versus Ferrari, mm-hmm. which I went and saw and I loved. It was a great movie. It made me go and read more about the history behind the Ford versus Ferrari story. And and the guys at the center of that film, who are played by Matt Damon and Christian Bale in the movie itself, I looked up. I, I went in and looked up more of the details regarding all that went into that, and and wanted to learn more about it based on what I had seen there on the big screen. And and suddenly realized, hey, a lot of what they portrayed, it truly actually did happen. That whole crossing the finish line at the same time thing, that wasn't just doctored up for the movie. That actually happened. There were actual politics behind that. There were actual reasons as far as some of these different things that were done there. Yeah, they they take some cinematic liberties to help further the story along, but there's also a lot of truthful things that are in there too. So you you see an interesting blend of that because of the simple truth that we want to be entertained when we go see a movie, like Catch Me If You Can. You know, we're we're watching a, a guy in real guy, yeah, a real guy and his life um, with a, that's playing out there on, on screen, and yet um, with Frank Abagnale, like he he actually he's a real person, but you're seeing it in a very cinematic way in this this really fun breezy enjoyable movie, but like. Did he go through all of those experiences? Well, not quite in the way that they're presented there in the movie, but man, is it entertaining to see him with all of these flight attendants on his arm, with Frank Sinatra's "Come Fly with Me" playing on, uh, playing in the background as he's strolling through security and getting out of out of the reach of of Tom Hanks
0: we we enjoy seeing that even if maybe it's taking some liberties with history spiritually it's it's accurate but it's not truly accurate accurate keep in mind there's that line biopics again biopics are not documentaries but if something interests you that wasn't true Now go look a little deeper. Go look up more factual literature about Frank Abagnale. Did this actually happen as portrayed in the movie? Well, maybe not exactly like that. He didn't have an antagonistic love-hate relationship with Tom Hanks' FBI character. That didn't happen. That's purely created for the movie. But some of the stuff he did is very close to the reality. Maybe the way it was presented is slightly off but it is in the spiritual way, like Elton John had said about his version, It it is true spiritually. Yes, I did pretend to be a pilot. Yes, I did do this. Yes, I did do that. Some of the techniques he used are shown in the movie, and now he does work for you know fraud agencies trying to pick out those that are doing what he did before, and now he runs some major companies. All that was shown at the end of the movie, and it's true. So, without going further down uh, the rabbit hole of what is and is not, should we go down some good examples of uh, what we think are some good roles, biopic or historical with a bio character in it? Yeah, I think that sounds great. I mean, we've already done a little bit of that, I'd say, just by default
1: of, of having this discussion and going through it. So, yeah, let's, let's dive in.
0: Well, you know, on top of a lot of lists I saw was one that you already brought up, Lawrence of Arabia, true story, um and not exactly accurate but very very entertaining and that's a good one to watch. Another one that's um not from the time it's, period it, but it's it, again one. like
1: I said it's my my all-time favorite and yeah, it's one of one of the best examples of one, too. And and again, a good example of how when you're telling a story even if it's not got all of the historical details or this is exactly how it happened Boy, you can tell a super compelling story with, with rich themes to it that, that in some ways does capture the enigma of the person, like in this case, the enigma of T.E. Lawrence, in, in quite, a, quite an entertaining way. And it, it truly does happen in that movie.
0: I have another movie that's kind of down that line, Amadeus. It won uh, Best Picture. Um, Tom Hules plays Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, world-renowned composer, yep. and he's still around. For a man that is is celebrated today, the man died penniless. You know, he was given a pauper's funeral. And the way that the performance is done is spectacular. He comes across like a snobbish, you know, kid. Well, he kind of was. A lot of what comes across in the movie is accurate. Now, the whole rivalry with another Italian composer, that's just for the movie. But a lot of what is in the movie is, in fact, true. He was kind of like more of a, if there, there wasn't rock and roll back in that era, but as close as you could get to rock and roll, he was Elvis of his time. He really, really was. But he was immature, and he just was kind of a pain in the butt. And, but then you hear this amazing music, and you're just, I can't believe that that came from this idiot? But that's exactly the way that it was and uh, it's a great performance. Milos Foreman directed it um, Tom Heels and F Murray Abraham are in it very good movie it's long a little dry, but it's very good one best picture 1984 I think it was very well done
1: exactly yeah and very lavish as yes. well that movie i've I've not seen Amadeus, but I've seen clips of it and it's this is the very, era very of powdered lavish. wigs and oh, all yeah. of that you know yep. Well, one that came out a few years ago and was a huge, huge success did extremely well in terms of the Academy Awards as well. Was Twelve Years a Slave? Yeah, and telling the story of Solomon Northup, who was kidnapped and kidnapped into slavery, um, even though he was born a free man, was kidnapped into slavery um, during the the slave era here in the United States, and telling his story in a very—I mean, it's it's a brutal story. It's but but it tells. It it tells that story and within the framework of of the horrors of slavery and what that looked like within the context of his own life and another a, a very powerful biopic with his story.
0: Yeah, There's another one where we talk about: Is it about the event? Is it about the person? I think this is one that's almost a fifty fifty, but I think they're inseparable. Is Schindler's List? Liam Neeson plays Oscar Schindler, and just a real quick uh, background: He ran a factory in Nazi-occupied Germany. And as the Nazis were coming into power and they were starting to take people that they considered not right and taking them away to these concentration camps, which would lead into the Holocaust, he started coming up with ways to get as many of those people working in his factory so that they wouldn't go to these camps. And, he, you know, I wish I could have done more. Is this about Oscar Schindler and Liam Neeson's great performance? Is this about what he did? They're both one and the same. You know, Oscar Schindler had a life prior to these events, and he had a life after these events. But it's really these events that defined his life in a lot of ways. And so, is it a biopic? Yes. Is it more about historical stuff? Yes. It's almost 50-50, and you can't pull one away from the other. And uh, what a good role. I mean, he was not a perfect man. He was a flawed man. But what he did... You know, I always like to say if you people that do good things, you just bought yourself a ticket on the plane to heaven when you go. You know, whatever Schindler may have done in his life prior to, he got his passport stamped and then some. Um, what, a, what a good man. Flawed man, but a good man. Yeah, and getting to,
1: again, tell a large, very important chunk of his life and its story with all that took place there over those years where where again he was working to to free them to help them be able to escape this um this horror that was going on with the holocaust and all the work that went into that too again a, a chunk of time a, a small chunk of time same with where with where I'm going with this next one which it already came up earlier here in this episode but um I think it's I think it's one of those those movies of a generation it kind of tells the story of a generation and kind of uses one person or, or one, one person's ideas to sort of tell about that, and that's the social network. Oh yeah, I think that movie is the movie of my generation slash those who are just a little bit older than me. I think it tells the story of like our moment in time, and it tells it in a such a such a an oddly fascinating, compelling way. In with a guy in in Mark Zuckerberg who continues with, with his life to lean into the very controversies that come up in that movie. You know, the real-life Mark Zuckerberg continues to just court controversy as, as he progresses on with the various things that he has done with Facebook and even going back to the very beginnings of Facebook. Courted controversy with with how it all came about, the reasons behind it all. Was it all just over a girl? I don't know if we can really say that that's for certain true, but the the influences, the reasons, the, all of those things, and, and the people, the bridges burned along the way, you don't get to, what, 500 million friends without making a few enemies, I think was the tagline for the movie. Well, you see that play out, and you see all that was to come with the social media age and the the foundings of it, the reasons behind it, and maybe some of what was to come within the social media age being reflected in how it was born and through the guy it was born through. So it is it is such a fascinating movie. It, it makes you dislike just about everybody in the movie, including Zuckerberg, and yet it also then makes you go, wow, this is a lot of us. This is kind of who we are right now in the present day too, at least in the social media age.
0: Yeah, is Facebook uh, the cause or the symptom? You know, and Zuckerberg is Facebook. Facebook is Zuckerberg or or Meta these days now. Uh, Yeah, I really these day and age. There was a point where Facebook (laughs) was a big part. It just isn't anymore. It just isn't what it used to be. And even in my life, if I didn't have to use it for work, I probably wouldn't even be on Facebook anymore. I just I don't generally like it, and I really dislike Zuckerberg. Um, There's no way he started all this over a girl because he'd have to care more about somebody else than himself. And no. Uh, yeah, but that's a really good example. Oh, it's just oh, about as it's a mo- as much about him as it is anybody else, oh. uh, and the company. But it's just it's not a good one. Let's go a different route because I got a bad taste in my mouth now <laughs> thinking about that Patton World War II general. Yeah, George C. Scott did the role. It's not necessarily his life story, but it generally is about his World War II career. He was, if you could have a rock and roll general, you know this was it. If you're tough as nails, gym teacher. Was a U.S. general? It would have been George Patton. This man, uh, you got to read the story on him. Now the movie is fairly accurate, as a matter of fact, um, not entirely. If you really want to get a bio depiction of him and a military bio, they're out there. The History Channel, I'm sure, will show stuff that's a lot more accurate. But the movie Patton, you're going to get a good sketch pencil, you know, sketching of who George Patton was. And he was one of the few generals that was truly respected on the other side, too. Oh, that's Patton coming? Oh, my goodness. This man is good. And the very beginning is an epic um, uh, monologue delivered to the troops by Patton in front of the big American flag, which is probably the big iconic image of this movie. And a lot of what he says is true. Some of it's not written up for the movie, but you get the, the right feel for who George Patton is. And as good as he was... His superiors, like the president, the commander in chief, they hated him because he was going to do his own thing. But it's a great show, great movie, great performance. Uh, George C. Scott won the Oscar for the role. Um, famously, did not accept it. Yeah, did not accept the. He won it, but he didn't accept it. So he pulled a Marlon Brando before Brando did the thing. So interesting. Let's
1: take a quick pause from going through some of this this list, and I want to talk about another another subset of biopics here, Dave, because I want to ask you a question. Why do you think that there are so many music biopics out there? Because we've, we've talked about a lot of different ones, but for some odd reason, there seem to be a lot of musically based ones or people in music. Is there, does that kind of stick out to you too? And if so, why do you think music based
0: ones are so compelling? I think if you don't do it right, a biopic is an easy game to lose because it's very everyone wants to sit and tell their life story. It's the most amazing conversation they'll ever have to them. Everybody else that's sitting there, you gotta listen. You ever been to a party where someone pulls out slides of their vacation show? I don't wanna see that. You gotta present it right. So if you're gonna talk about subject matter like somebody's life, you gotta find a way to present it in a way that is good. Now music A, makes it easier, music soothes the savage beast, but you can also get a little more fantastical with it. In a way, not just because he's a musician, Elton John's Rocketman movie is like a modern-day biopic musical. Just so happens that he's a musician. But, I mean, the way that movie was presented, it's very much a fantasy. He didn't have his first American show at the Troubadour in San Francisco and literally levitate on the stage like he does in the movie. But it's to get across... I felt like I was walking on air, so they show him walking on air, you know. It's done in a fantastical way. I'm sure the Von Trak family didn't really do giant sing and dance numbers in the gazebo in the backyard, but it made for a good show, and it's got some memorable moments that are set to music. I'm sure the children, when it was time to go to sleep at the end of the party, didn't do some song and dance routine as they marched up the stairs in military order, but it made for a better show. It tells something about their life. It tells something about their family. It t- and it makes a little easier a dark time, and I'm sure you know West West European culture and the rise of World War II and Nazism and so forth. It makes it a lot easier. It's sugar to help the medicine go down. To use another musical <laughs> reference for you, I think that's why. But that's my guess um, between Lawrence of Arabia and others. Uh, I, that's what I think. Yeah, you
1: need to have. Something that's going to be that, that's going to entertain again, going back to that whole idea of entertainment within telling history. And what better way to be able to entertain through the telling of history than by having an entertainer be the person who is at the center of the story? And then you can use their music, you can use the colorful personality that perhaps accompanied them, or the colorful story that accompanied them like the reason behind the art. And with that in mind. When you're talking about an artist, even if it's a musical artist, you can get artistic in your telling of it. I, I think there's almost like this understanding that that's sort of allowed then. It's expected, I and think. And expected. That's a that's a great way to Demanded, put it. Demanded, baby. Yeah. When you are looking at the artistic nature of their life and their work. Then you can get artistic in the telling of it, much like with Rocket Man. I mean, there's there's a prime example that that you had brought up. That again, if you're if you're going to get artistic in the telling of it, it's maybe more agreeable and acceptable because, hey, you're telling it about an artist, so you can get that way. And again, having those musical numbers to go with it too, like having having Freddie Mercury's big time performance at that at that huge concert. Yeah, Live Aid. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a centerpiece of, of that movie, of Bohemian Rhapsody. And it was. So y- you get you get those things that come with it, too, of, of just the, those musical set pieces and the ability to get a little bit more artistically creative, maybe.
0: Music grabs people in a way that a few other things do. And movies can do this, too. So when you get a movie and music together, I mean, come on, man. Some of the best songs you've ever heard. We're in some way, shape, or form connected to a movie because you get that imagery and movies are by their very design manipulative. They want you to see from a perspective. You add music into that as well. It's just it's nitro into the gas tank. It's just that much more. And boy, does it work good. Yeah, it really does. I I when I look at these biopic lists, there have been a
1: few that have said best biopic music movies of all time or music biopics, and I'm like you know what? You could almost say, yeah, that's that's its own category. There's so many of them that are out there. They, there really are quite a few that exist. And again, with musical people, with with creative people, there's a compelling story to be told with them. I mean, Johnny Cash, Walk the Line. There's another one that comes to mind. You've got you've got a compelling figure at the center of your story. You've got music at the center of your story. Ray, Ray Charles telling the story of his life, there you go. You've got a lot of compelling things that that stand at the center, and you've got the music to go with it.
0: Yeah, and you had some great performances by those actors. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who played Johnny Cash in Walk the Line, uh, did his own singing. Uh, Jamie Foxx, who's also a musician as much as he is an actor, yeah. did the singing for the movie Ray. Uh, you can really get fantastic with things like that. Even and we keep, I've noticed there's a recurring theme here. The Rocket Man keeps coming up. Uh, Taryn Edgerton, who plays Elton John, does his own singing in the movie, not trying to sound like Elton, just doing his own version. I can sing. I can't sing like Elton, but I'll just sing. And he does his best. But I think one of the reasons this is just kind of occurring to me as I'm saying this, so this is a moment of free consciousness here, is because I think it's a, a perfect example of what a biopic is. It's fantastical, so it's entertaining. And Elton John has had a very colorful, entertaining life. But it's warts and all. You don't get those movies like Evita, let's say, with Madonna, where it's all lavish. No, not everyone's life is marvelous. Elton was one of those guys who's, I'm not afraid to show it off, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and show off the bad stuff. And he's done that before. It's in his book. He'd had kind of a documentary version that showed him warts and all before. So you're not covered in part of me with all the BS. You've got straight up, this is what it was. Maybe done through a fantastical lens and prism, but here's me at my best Here's me at my worst. Let me show myself ugly and in a bad way. Like The Wolf of Wall Street? That's a whole different kind of thing. It looks bad, but they didn't realize it looked bad.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, and we all see it, though, with, with a movie like that. That's another one that's come up on, on a lot of these biopic lists is is The Wolf of Wall Street and about all that took place there with, with the stock market and and. The guy at the center of all of that. Yeah, and, and the craziness that, that ensued and accompanied all of that. And you you kind of take it in and are like, oh my gosh, seriously? But yeah, that's that's the other part of it too, Dave, is it like, what do you do if the person is still alive and you're presenting all of this? I mean, we talked about the social network in that in that manner. Like, if the person is still alive, it's really interesting to to see how they take they take on the history and how that person might react watching this story of their life get told about them on, on the big screen in this way. That that's another another interesting angle to consider with all of this.
0: I'll give Zuckerberg some credit. He definitely rolled with the punches. He and Jesse Eisenberg both showed up on Saturday Night Live, both as Mark Zuckerberg. So you can roll with it. But I mean, the people that are smart, you know, it's out there. People know. People know. Roll with it. What are you going to do? Try to fight the raindrops rather than get other people? Or Elton was a producer on that movie, so he was very involved. As said, yeah, I don't care. Show it. I don't care. It's good. Versus other people that will sue to get the production shut down. Even if it's true, it's not flattering. But it's true.
1: Yeah. You know what I think is also compelling about biopics? People want to see how the actor or actors involved will portray the character or characters who are at the center of the story. They want to see how are they going to look as that person? How are they going to sound as that person? Like, for instance, I I brought up earlier that there's perhaps some debate on if The Darkest Hour is is a biopic or not regarding Winston Churchill. But man, Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill, that was really crazy. I mean, seeing him... Seeing him become Winston Churchill and how much they had to change him with his look and the way that he sounded—that doesn't look like
0: Gary Oldman at all. No,
1: you wouldn't. You wouldn't know it. It is—it's it, crazy watching him become a, Daniel Day Lewis as as Lincoln. Watching him become Lincoln in a later stage in his presidency, looking older, considerably more grizzled compared to when he first took office. Man, it's it's really fascinating to watch people become that person. Like how accurate do they look as that person within yeah. the movie?
0: It's interesting you brought up the sound and the look and the voice and everything, because Daniel Day Lewis, and I don't really think that the movie Lincoln is what I would call a biopic. It's obviously got a very historical person, but the way he's portrayed, everybody wants to think of Lincoln as this fatherly and all statesman kind of. In reality, he was a backwoods hick, and he kind of talked like the old Petrich farm guy, you know. It's, but a lot of people that were, you know, follow history say, like, this is probably not what people think Lincoln sounds like, but it is probably what he sounded like. It's probably the way he acted. Everyone wants this false scorn seven years ago. That wasn't him. It just wasn't him. But just because he's the forefathers, everyone believes that they are almost godly in stature. They're higher than any man can be in some ways, sure. But in reality, they were men. They looked how they looked. They sounded like they sounded. People saw Daniel Day-Lewis in that performance, and it was a split, almost a polarization. They either loved it because he was up for the Oscar for that or, no, I didn't like the way he did the role from what everyone that follows history that doesn't have anything to sell, that was actually pretty accurate to what the best we can get. But Lincoln sounded like the way his mannerisms were. Yeah, but that's not how he is in my mind. Well, but that's how he is. So sometimes biopics... And I, like I said, I personally don't consider it a biopic. It's a biological, biographical recreation of a real historical character, but it's more about the passage of legislation and Lincoln's role in it than it is about Lincoln's life. Yeah. And so I don't really qualify it as a biopic, but it's a good performance in a historical drama. Spielberg directed it, but um, yeah, getting to get to the part of Lincoln talking like the Pepperidge Farm man kind of was a, was a barricade for some people that some people couldn't get by. It, it's also interesting because sometimes
1: we get caught up seeing the actor who plays the role, or maybe we see more of the actor than, than we do the person. If it's like a vehicle for that actor to really, to really stand out and you don't think, oh, it's, they've become that person kind of in the, the Gary Oldman mold, um, of what he did. But, you know, somebody who's done that really well. And in one of the movies, she did it at, in a biopic, the other, she did it in a movie that is. It's not a biopic, it's, it's a fictional tale within a point in history, but Margot Robbie has been really good at that, whether it was in I, Tonya, with playing Tonya Harding and taking that on, which she got rave reviews for, or even when she plays Sharon Tate in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which again, is a fictional story, that's no biopic, but like I remember when the first stills of that movie came out, people were like, oh my gosh, she looks like Sharon Tate. Like they couldn't believe it. it. It's fun to watch these these people become the person who is being depicted within the movie. Like taking it back to the biopic side, it is really really fascinating to see who they cast for that role and just how much do they do they really immerse into that role and become that person. And I mean that's where makeup costume they do such an incredible job getting these people to really to really embrace the role and the character who they are telling the story of.
0: I'm having a brain fart on the name of the actor here that plays um, the Kingsman and uh, the King's Speech. I'm looking at a picture of him and I... Colin Firth, there we go, there we go. There you go. I was having a brain fart there for a minute. He has a perfect example of the perfectly cast actor. I've heard talk that in the past when they were looking to hire the new James Bond, and I'm talking when they ultimately got Daniel Craig, Colin Firth was on the list. I don't see that because... Yes, it's been shown that he could do a good Bond. I mean, he kind of does a knockoff of Bond in a way in The Kingsman. But when they cast him as King George the Sixth in The King's Speech, I always think of him as very British and very stiff upper lip and so on and so forth. He nails that role because it almost seems like he's kind of not playing a role. He's almost playing a version of himself you feel like, but you just don't know Colin Firth enough as a person. He kind of sticks out as Bridget Jones' diary. He's kind of straight-laced, but then he'll take a turn on you and do something else. But when you're looking at the King's speech, for example, uh, here's a great example of what I think is a biopic. It's not about the situations that he's in, but it is. It's in the background, but it's much more about him, and in specific, about him kind of coming to terms with being the king. His father was the king, and of course his older brother was next in line to the throne, but he had to abdicate the throne. So now the reluctant prince who didn't really want to be king but was probably the best choice to become king becomes king but doesn't feel comfortable in the role. Plus he's c- 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 got the stutter, and he's got to go and hang out with a the speech therapist and figure it out. Plus you've got his daughter, who's the reigning queen of England right now, Um and his role in history and all of this, you're looking a much closer version of a link in this British monarchy chain, King George VI. It was a great role. It was a great movie, by the way. For those that have not seen it, a eh, little stuffy, give it a try if you haven't seen The King's Speech. It's really, really good. And while it is very much a snapshot in time that's probably, I don't know, a couple years worth in length as far as chronolo- chronologically speaking, something like that. Um, it's very much about the man. It's very much about trying to find your place to fit into all of this around you and making it your own. So when does a biopic become a
1: historical film, and when does a historical film become a biopic? I think that's, that continues to be one of the questions that sticks out in my mind because, again, I'm, I'm going through some lists here, and I just saw all the President's Men pop up on a biopic list. And that's one where I go. Now wait a second. I I almost wonder if that's more of a historical movie because yeah, you've got Woodward and Bernstein who are at the center of it. You've you've got you've got their portrayal from Robert Redford the and Dustin Redford. Hoffman. Yeah, um, you've got them at the center of that story as Woodward and Bernstein. But is it a Woodward and Bernstein movie, or is this a Watergate
0: movie? I I would argue that
1: it's more of great a, question, I would right I would argue it's
0: more of a Watergate movie. Yeah. What's the, what is the movie about? Is it about the stuff or the people? And this. The I mean, Woodward people. and Bernstein are definitely at the center oh, of yeah. that movie. But, but it's about them as reporters uncovering the truth and following the money more than it is. What was his girlfriend's name? What was his wife's name? Where did he grow up? Is any of that stuff in the movie at all? Is it about their daily lives and their daily routine and how they wrestled with it and the challenges as men they felt? That might be a biopic. That's not present in the movie. Now, this is based on a book, which was almost written as Watergate unfolded, as a matter of fact. So it's, it's about Watergate up to a point, and then it just kind of shows the aftermath with a close-up of the teletype and everything that would fall out. Is it about the events? Is it about the people? That's kind of the ratio that you look at, and if it tilts toward the people, you got yourselves a biopic. If it's about events that feature people and their roles in it, then you might be talking more historical. Is it more focused on the people or the events? All the president's men, I would not consider a biopic. Historically accurate, it's shown in schools. It's very accurate, um, but it's not what I call a biopic. You could argue, though, that that it is... It is
1: Watergate from the perspective of Woodward and Bernstein. You could look at it that way because otherwise maybe you're spending time if it's a Watergate story, maybe you have chunks of the movie where Woodward and Bernstein aren't even in it and it's focused on, you know, in Nixon's office or go. in in this other place, you know, or from Deep Throat's perspective. You know, you could do all of that, but it is the story of Watergate. Told from the perspective of Woodward and Bernstein. It is fair to say that too, though, now that I think about it a little bit more.
0: Well, absolutely. But, and I don't want to go too down the rabbit hole with this, but you got to remember what, and Watergate was before even my time, but Watergate was a non story that eventually dethroned a president. You know, some guys broke into the headquarters. So what? Move on. These guys kept poking. They found a thread and they just kept pulling on that thread and it unraveled and unraveled and it just led to what? They go to the initial hearing and Woodward was in the courtroom. Who are you employed by? The CIA. Sir, I can't hear you. The C- what the heck is the CIA doing breaking in here? They kept pulling on it and it just became this big giant thing. The reporters very much were the center of this story because they kept unfurling this thing that was like nothing. And even their bosses were like, I don't think you have enough here. They're like, well, what about this? What about this? Then you got to get proof. And they kept doing it. They kept digging it. And President Nixon went down. So it very much is about their tenacity as reporters. But it's more of a cog in the machine that is Watergate rather than the people that made up the cogs you know what I mean? It, the, the balance is there, and certainly the ingredients are there, but the ratio is off. It's more about the events and Watergate and their role in it, absolutely more so that than the people.
1: Anything else to add on the topic? I think that's a good way to bookend it, because it's it's proof that with biopics, there's, there's I think, some really good debate that comes with them as far as what constitutes a biopic. But the bottom line, though, too, is I, I love that with telling the story of, of historical events we're going to be able to do that for pretty much as long as as long as movies exist we're, we're going to be able to do that this is a genre that's never totally going to go away and that you can present in so many different ways if you want to present it in as far as cut and dry history you can do that if you present it in terms of making it very cinematic I think i I've become at least I have become more understanding of that that's sort of how it's done, and that's that's how you do it. Although, if you want the facts, you might want to look into those for yourself. Don't just go off the movie and say, these are the facts right here, because
0: the movie is here to entertain and to tell a story. I think there's two masters to serve when you're talking about a biopic, or anything historical, is you were there, you saw it, you are aware of it, but it it's not... Flesh and bu- It's not flesh and blood. You need to give it some sort of life, give it some color. So presidents of the United States, for example, generally from what we see, they show up at a podium, they talk, they move on. They talk to the address the nation or they're doing the State of the Union. And that's generally how you see your presidents. Now, your social media and the now and here changes that a little bit. But generally, that's how you look at your presidents. So when you see behind the scenes and them talking to advisors in the Oval Office and it's kind of an unvarnished look or something – It brings color to something that actually happened, and so it makes it a little more lively for things that you may have lived through. And the other master is, I'm completely unaware. I wasn't around for JFK, for example, but I'll see a movie like 13 Days about the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's interesting, and I didn't know that much initially about what went on with the Kennedy administration and the Cuban Missile Crisis. That was a really good movie. Now, how accurate is it? makes you kind of want to look and dig a little deeper, and it turns out that movie was very accurate. Well, I'm very interested to learn more. So you either, it's your gateway to learning about events or people, or you're already aware of the factualities. Now it makes it more realistic and it's more about the person. I think it's- Or about the on,
1: entertainment. It's entertainment, it, yeah.
0: yeah. That's the hook. So if you want to come in and learn more about the facts, that's beyond the hook. But if they can get you with a good performance, who was Winston Churchill? Who's Gary Oldman? Now it's a place to start.
1: Rick and Nick TalkFlix is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. And we love having them as a sponsor for the podcast. Anything else to add, Dave? I, I think this has been a lot of fun getting to, to go through this this sort of slice off the historical drama category of movies. And it's a big slice off of that.
0: It's fun when you not just enjoy a movie or a series of movies, but you have something more to talk about it. You know, if Hoover and I were going to sit down and have uh, lunch together, we'd be spitting food as we were yelling back, oh, no, you, you got to be kidding me, you thought such and such with such and such. And that makes it kind of fun. It's all done and fun, and it's more about sharing a passion for the movies in and of themselves or specific movies. And if these movies get you thinking, if they get you talking, if they get you bubbling under the surface, good, bad, or indifferent, or ugly, or whatever the case, it's done its job. So when you're talking about historical movies and dramas and biopics, accuracy to a point, but what you're really trying to do is entertain, and you're going to put things together. They are not factual documentaries. They're entertaining But at the same time, you'd like a good performance, even if it's not based on anything realistic. But at the same time, you don't want to go completely off the reservation. Unless, of course, that's kind of the the goal, like Inglorious Bastards* comes to mind again. Historical facts and things are highly altered in that movie. But great and interesting. Makes you kind of want to learn more about so-and-so. The debates on biopics, I
1: think, will continue. As they should. Even down to how you even pronounce biopic.
0: Biopic. Exactly. Biopic sounds like something your doctor will do when he takes a slice of something. Biopsy. I know. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of does. Kind A of does historical a biopsy. That. That's what we can call these. I guess so, to
1: an extent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies.